Did you hear the news? Metro PCS is now Metro by T-Mobile. Now you get new plans with unlimited high-speed data all month long. All on the T-Mobile network. Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4DP. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 95 of Steve A.G. Uh, with my guest, Will Wheaton, who you may know from Stand By Me or Star Trek The Next Generation, or maybe you know him from his show Tabletop over at Geek and Sundry. Um, I'm a huge fan of Will. I haven't known him for that long, um, but uh, he was kind enough to let me come over and record this podcast at his house. Uh, a couple weeks ago, as you all know, I've been banking episodes. So yeah, this was recorded a couple weeks ago. And um, let me get into some plugs once again, <laughs> since I've been doing these, since I've recorded all these so long ago, all my plugs are have been for the same thing, but it's getting closer. August 17th at the Starburns Castle in Burbank. That's Dan Harmon's and uh, Dino Stamatopoulos's, uh production office. One of the two production offices at Starburns and it's in uh, Burbank. I will be doing on the 17th at 7 p.m. a live version of this show. Steve A.G. Uh, um, I don't know who the guests are yet. I have reached out to a few people. I'm trying to make this a really special one because I, I believe I'm going to release this as episode 100. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a good show, <laughs> even though I haven't booked anyone yet. I still have a couple weeks. Uh, in fact, today was the day I was going to really get on the phone and uh, nail down some people. But yeah, uh, Starburns Castle in Burbank, the 17th of August, 7 p.m. Um, go to StarburnsCastle.com or is it the Starburns Castle? I think it's just StarburnsCastle.com and um, get tickets. <laughs> I believe they're $10. Uh, it's going to be a good one, though. So and then I believe the 25th at the Hollywood Improv, Brendan Small and I will be doing our show Baked. Uh, it'll be a special show. That one's also a special show because Brendan is releasing his new uh, Galacticon album. And so this will be, I believe, a record release party. So we're going to have some special guests for that, too. Uh, follow us on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and we'll be updating you more as that comes along. So let's get started. Uh, thanks again, Will, for doing this. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. I just, um, I left my place with my computer, like, the sleep mode turned off because I'm yeah. trying to replace the drive to a solid state because yeah. it's, I have a 2010 MacBook Pro. That's like five decades in computer. Which is crazy to me because I feel like I just got it. But it's now at a point where if I type in a URL, 
I can hit send and then wait for 30 seconds while I watch it fill out, you know, like www.theonion.com and it'll just go W W Wow. W and it runs so hot, like on my lap for, you know, 10 minutes and then my lap's on fire. And so someone was like, get a solid state. Yeah. They don't heat up and uh, it'll be faster. So, so you're like cloning your drive or cloning it right now. And I thought it would be because I watched a video and this woman's like, I have a 2009 and she watched you through all the steps and she's like, uh, you know, clone it first. And so she's like, then go away and get a sandwich. And this took me an hour and a half. And I was like, I left and it had been two and a half hours and it was halfway. Yeah. And only well, like what she half- means is go get a sandwich in Santa Monica <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then come back to the valley. Go to New York, <laughs> hop on a plane. <laughs> There's a really great software suite called Clean My Mac 2. I have it. Wow. And if that can't clean it up, yeah. I, you, I notice a difference when I use Clean My Mac for about a day. Yeah. And not a huge difference, but it, it seems yeah. to make everything run okay. And then a day later... And it's constantly like, uh, time to clean your Mac. Right. Time to clean your Mac. I'm yeah. Like, Fuck like it. Time been, to get a new Mac, buddy. Been, yes. Um, and I was going to just take it to one of those. There's a place right over in Toluca Lake that fixes Macs. And uh, I took my desktop in there. And it was a cool place. I mean, everything is star. There's like Star Wars action figures everywhere. It's That's great. It's a, what you would love and you imagine. Sure you're not just at a dude's house? <laughs> no. It's like right over by the Bob's Big Boy. Yeah. And, um, and there's like a dog that sits on the couch in like the waiting area and it was just really cool. And, um, but it was expensive. I didn't get my drive replaced, but they fixed it and it was expensive. And so I just uh, decided to YouTube it and I was like, Oh, I can just buy a little hard drive and just unscrew the back of my Mac and put it in. I think about how I went to Mac world expo in like 19... 88 yeah. or maybe 1989. <laughs> yeah. And I bought a 30 megabyte SCSI hard drive. SCSI. I haven't heard SCSI in forever. I bought it for my Mac two with the nine inch color, 256 color monitor. Yeah. But it was 30 megabytes and that's so it crazy. was almost $4,000. Yeah. And I was like, I will never have to buy another hard drive for the rest of my life. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to, I am never going to fill this hard drive up because who has that much anything? Yeah. And it will. And I don't think it's ever going to get like normal and uninteresting to me to go through a checkout yeah. at virtually any place at a fucking gas station on the interstate a thousand yeah. miles from anywhere and see some USB drive that's like, <laughs> you know, 16 gigabyte flash drive with like, flash with, drive, with, yeah. with like, with like Lodi California yeah. emblazoned yeah. on it for like $3. Yeah. I, uh, my first computer, I mean, the first one I bought was the original Bondi blue Mac or the iMac. Yeah. That was like my first computer for like internet purposes. Yeah. And before that, I was in Groundlings taking classes and um, Maya Rudolph gave me 
her old because we had to write we were writing sketches yeah sure it was a writer's lab i was in and she had just gotten a new computer and she gave me just for a word processor her apple i don't think it was a 2e it was the really tall one she said it it looked like a like a low income housing apartment (laughs) it was just really that sounds like the 2gs that might have been it and um I just wrote on it all the time, but I don't think it had internet capabilities. When I was, uh, when I was 13, I did this terrible movie that I didn't want to do that every single adult in my life who should have protected me from this movie was just like, all they saw was dollar signs. Right. Yeah. So I'm off on location on this terrible (laughs) fucking movie and John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard is an actor in this movie. Nice. He was the nicest guy in the world Good. back then. This was like 1986. Good. And he was writing a screenplay and he was writing it on a portable word processor computer. And his portable word processor computer was the size of a standard carry on yeah. roller bag. And the screen was like a four inch CRT, yeah. a, you know, Amber monitor. Yeah. And it had a five and a quarter floppy drive built into it and, <laughs> and, uh, and, a, and a keyboard that was, uh, that was connected with like a spirally telephone cable. It's, and, and, and the thing is like in, in 86, I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is war games. That was 86. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Like, let's, let's dial into the computer and play thermonuclear war. Like, this is great. You can take this anywhere. Yeah. I took a computer class in high school, which was probably 86 or 87. And I spent like the whole semester learning how to just make a little stick figure man move and pole vault over a, which is so doing that took then, me weeks. Yeah. But doing that then was so much harder than doing something now that is mat like that is by orders of magnitude, more advanced yeah. doing that then yeah. was more challenging and more time consuming because yeah. like, we didn't have software libraries. You couldn't just grab no. somebody's Python library and include <laughs> no. it in your code. No. It was just like, okay, here we go. Yeah. My thing was, uh, I did on my Atari 400. We couldn't afford the 800 with the regular keys. We had the membrane keyboard. Yeah. On the that. Atari 400, I wrote a program that <laughs> animated a seagull flying over, um, uh, waves. <laughs> And, uh, it made the sound of the crashing waves yeah. and it made like the, the, the cry of the seagull. <laughs> so basically what it was, was it was, it was f- yeah. two, four, it was five pieces of ASCII art, right? Yep. It was like, like slash backslashes. Yep. Right. And, uh, and a, and a dot. Yep. That was the seagull and it would redraw it across the top of the screen and, and the wings would sort of move up and down. Yeah. And then it was <laughs> rising and falling, just like static noise generated uh-huh. from the, from the sound chip, yeah. which at the time was a big deal. That's pretty amazing. And then, yeah. and then just making like a beep, right? That was the, and then like pitching it up. That oh, yeah, was the yeah, seagull yeah. crying. Yeah. And then the, um, the waves oh, were. God drawn across the bottom of the screen and it was basically just a blue bar that occasionally had white pixels that turned on and off in oh, for it. the foam for the foam yeah and i was like 10 when i did that and That's amazing and like it remains one of <laughs> i've written a lot of code since then but that thing just when i look back on this 10 year old kid who was like here's how i fi- i figured out how to do this in atari basic yeah that's amazing right <laughs> and how long was the clip 
it was a looping program that you would have to break to get out of. Yeah. But it was probably 600 lines of code or something like that. Cause, cause I didn't know how to write code op. You know, I didn't know how to optimize code. I didn't know how to like, you know, I was, I I had like a couple of subroutines in it, but like basic back then, the way I remember it didn't really lend itself to that kind of thing. But I guess this would be like us having this conversation is similar to like our parents talking about how like, they're, they grew up bef- like if they grew up before television. Yeah. Or like, you know, uh, i I remember waiting in gasoline lines. Yeah. You know, and, and like, I just, there's, I'm, I'm thinking about like, what is it going to be? I guess it's probably going to be super immersive VR gasoline for like our, lines. for like our grandkids. Yeah. What was that? Like 78 or 79 when the gas crisis and they had odd and even days. Yeah. Like if you had an odd license plate number, yeah. you could go on Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays. You could only get a certain amount of gas. And, um, my, so uh, yeah, my, my, my mom had uh, a vanity plate and the vanity <laughs> plates were considered odd. Which yeah. That was great. So we went on the odd numbered days and I don't remember the day that gas went from like, four or five cents a gallon to like a dollar a gallon. Uh, but like my aunt and uncle totally remember that. Yeah. I remember in, in high school with my first car, like t- a $20 bill would fill up your tank and you would have a good amount of change left yeah. over and still thinking, ugh, I got to yeah. waste this $20 bill on gas instead of, you know, yeah. Taco Bell. <laughs> Um, I thought, I also always thought I, you know, when I was, I don't know if they still do this. They must still do this. When I was in high school, I, d- I had to take typing. Cl- no, I didn't have to, but I took a typing class. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was going to be the most useless class I've ever taken. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm never going to have to write papers when I get out of, you know, high school or right. college. This is useless. It is still the best class I ever took in high school. And it was just me and my friend, Brett Custer sitting next to each other, typing basically, uh, erotic fan fiction. Like we didn't, (laughs) we would have our own mailboxes like Like Tina Belcher's erotic friend fiction. (laughs) We would, we would have to, we'd get assignments and we'd have to write. We'd be, we'd be timed. Like, you know, she'd give us one minute and we'd have a, a, you know, a thing we would have to copy and type down and then we would put it in the teachers, uh, on the teacher's desk and then she would grade it later and then put it, we all had our own mailboxes, but me and my friend Brett, whenever we had free time, we would type like horrifying, like (laughs) not even knowing that this was a thing, like fan fiction, like slash, like really (laughs) gross, like you know, like a team stuff, because that was what was on TV right. back then. Like Mr. T fucks Hannibal. Just, <laughs> and then, and then we would go when the other person wasn't looking and we put them in their box. So when you get back your papers, you would then fi- also find this short story that was just horrific. And that's all I thought that would ever come of it. And then it's been like, the most useful, you know, I ended up, my first job in TV was a logger on road rules and real world. And I, I went on to, uh, I, I transcribed interview Ozzy Osbourne interviews for the Osbournes. Jesus, that must have, that was the worst. Cause a lot of paragraphs would have, you know, in parentheses, unintelligible. Yeah. Right. Cause that was, 
That was back when Ozzy was still on medication from his doctor that yeah. he didn't need to be on. And so he was just confused all the time. Yeah. Um, I knew a kid back in, in the early, early nineties, maybe late eighties, early nineties. Um, and this is in like the really early internet days. We would, yeah. uh, you know, like dialing up at like 2400 baud was, was, was normal. And if you <laughs> could get into the computer lab at a college and get on at 56 K, it was amazing. Yeah. And one of the, like we would do these like man in the middle attacks over telnet. What's and that? A man in the middle attack is where like, okay, so you're trying to reach like you're, you're trying to dial into, you're trying to log into a computer and uh, I am in between you and the computer you're logging into. Okay. So I am making you think that your password hasn't been accepted. So you type it a second time and it goes across in clear text so I can see it. So now I know what your password is. Oh shit. And then I let you into the machine. Right. And uh, <laughs> one of the, this, 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 this kid I knew was so good at typing that he could type so fast yeah. that um, it would feed across the, your Telnet client like you were just getting uh, something like straight off of a server and he right. never made a mistake and he could look at you and talk to you while he was doing <sighs> that. It was an incredible skill. Yeah. Um, and my son, who is also a writer, uh, is he just went through a whole bunch of tests for for a job application and he's 27 and his words per minute was greater than people that are like our age really yeah because it's just like do they take typing classes in i don't know if they have i don't i don't kids are now learning at a young age learn it because I just remember repeatedly, like when the class first starts, the teacher stands at the front of the room and you have your correct hand position. Right. And then she just says, says, she says the letters and you just type yeah. A, S, D, F, J, K, L, semicolon, space, yeah. A. And it would just be for weeks that over yeah. and over. And, and then she would slip in R or Q. Right. And, and I was like, I'm never going to learn. And by the end of high school, I was just like, yeah. so good at it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it served me incredibly well. I'm left-handed. So through all of elementary school, and I was in like really hardcore parochial schools when yeah. I was a kid. So there was like, the they were massively authoritarian and you did things the way they said to do it or yeah. like you failed. Right. Yeah. And in the seventies, they wanted me to turn my paper sideways and basically write. So the way a normal person writes is you write parallel to your, like if you're sitting down yeah. at a table, you write parallel Left to your to shoulders, right? right? Yeah. They wanted me to write perpendicular to my shoulders and basically write straight up the page. So with like your left hand. with my left hand, so sort of like writing kanji, but backwards. Wow. Um, and then they tried to make me do this thing where I would turn my hand completely around so that like, so that like my fingertips were pointing in toward my elbow and Holy then, shit. and then I was writing and the idea was they wanted me to not make they didn't want me to smear my text oh, yeah, so yeah. they wanted me to like write like that if i was going to write parallel to my shoulders and so i have i have really good penmanship now uh, I, I can't write cursive when i write cursive i look like a fifth grader <laughs> but my printing is i have really nice yeah. printing because i had friends. you still write that way 
No, no. I always write straight up and down. You still and, write that way. Uh, well, no, I don't write weird. I never did oh, the way okay, that they, right. because Left it was, because right. it was awful because it didn't make any sense. It seems and, like and it was weird. And it was just tendonitis too. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then also it just, it was like, I'm on the tail end of like left-handed people are straight from the devil. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like right on the tail end of that, um, uh, which is why like from about Gen X onward, there's a lot more left-handed people represented in the population because, yeah. because like, like the boomers, they were still, there were my, my grandmother, my grandmother would have been like, what do they call them? The greatest generation of my yeah. grandmother was left-handed and her teachers at the tiny little schoolhouse you would have to hit go right-handed. her. Until she started writing right-handed. Fuck. Yeah. So I'm thrilled that typing is a thing instead of writing by yeah. hand. Because writing by hand is like, I mean, at least they can't force you to, you know. I can't even write writing. in cursive anything other than my name. Like yeah. for your signature. Because you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. I read somewhere that, that, that some school districts are just not teaching cursive writing anymore. I would believe it. That's which so I mean, I guess it's, there's, there's, I don't see any real reason to do that. I don't either except to develop a signature. Yeah. My dad was left-handed and his handwriting was unintelligible. Yeah. Like he, he was a doctor and you, his signature was so stereotypical, you know, like doctor's handwriting. It was yeah. really like, that does not say Douglas Agee. That says Google Dogma. <laughs> that, that says that says whatever Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> was, was, said that I transcribed Dad, earlier today. <laughs> Dad, were you in Black Sabbath? This is fucking bonkers. <laughs> Tell me more about recording Paranoid. <laughs> were you mad when uh, Ronnie James Dio took over? <laughs> you know, I I have this conversation with people more often than I think a normal person does. Like. Uh, so love Danzig and the misfits do not like him solo at all. Don't like Jerry and the misfits. even a little bit. I agree. Love Ozzy and Sabbath, love Ozzy solo, hate Dio and Sabbath. I don't like Dio either. I, it I, sounds I dig, weird I, to me. I, I, I dig Dio solo. His solo album is great. Holy diver is a great record. It's a good album. Yeah. But, but like Dio in Sabbath, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Like, he could take those Sabbath songs and re-record them. It's just Dio songs. And it'd be like, nice Dio album. But yeah. it's not like if I had to choose, I want my Sabbath to be, I want Ozzy in my Sabbath. I saw him probably like eight or nine. Oh God, maybe even 10 years ago, there was a Sabbath reunion yeah. with Dio. Yeah. And they played at the forum. And this is what made me sign with my manager. I was, I signed with three arts because Dave Becky, I had a meeting with him and he was like, oh, I'm supposed to go to this black Sabbath reunion, uh, this weekend, but I'm going to be out of town. You want the tickets? And I was like, yep. <laughs> and I will also sign with you guys. That's was, great. And, um, how was it? Did he do like old stuff? Did he do yeah. like wasp and all that, like that era? Like, that's just weird. That's not right. It was weird. I mean, That's it like was Dio covering Black Sabbath. It was fun because it was the only time I've ever seen Black Sabbath. Like I've seen Ozzy a million times. Mm -hmm. um, so it was cool to see like Tony Iommi. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, but God, I just wanted to see Ozzy. Ann and I went to Dodger Stadium this weekend on Steely Sunday. Dan. 
We didn't go to the Steely Dan. That was night. Saturday. That was Saturday. Um, I was supposed uh, to go. Like it's so Saturday was Steely Dan, the Doobie Brothers, and, and the, the Eagles. Eagles. <laughs> there is not a person on this planet who hates the Eagles more than I do. Yeah, I mean, I really hate them. Okay. When I saw Lebowski, I was like. Oh, this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that scene where he's like, I fucking hate the Eagles, man. I was like, I feel you, buddy. Yeah, Boy, the cop throws you. him. Yeah. Or the, t- the cab driver, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I hate the Eagles more. Than, I, they're, they're, I, I, we could do five hours on how much I hate the Eagles. Yeah. So, um, and I don't particularly care for the Doobie Brothers, but strangely, I love Steely Dan. One of my favorite bands. Which is weird because... I know. It is... It, Steely Dan doesn't fit in with any of the music that I Me like. Me neither. It's so bizarre yeah same with me but my wife is like and just and and hates steely dan the way i hate the eagles oh oh no yeah so we went on sunday instead it was sunday earth wind and fire nice journey and fleetwood mac I love all those men. Was it the, it's the newer singer, right? For journey. Yeah, but he's great. He does sound exactly. He sounds just like Steve Perry. And like, I'm, I'm like not a hundred percent on Fleetwood Mac. I'm probably like, 60% 60% on Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, a lot too. a lot of the later stuff I don't like at all, but like yeah. Rumors was part of Rumors and Tusk were the soundtrack to my childhood. So great. My parents took me to the Tusk tour at the Hollywood Bowl in 1979. Whoa. And it's like one of the I don't remember the only thing I, I was like six years old, seven. No, I was seven. Yeah, I would have been eight years old. I would have just turned eight <laughs> years old. And <laughs> but all I remember about it is the USC marching band coming out when they played to us. Oh my God. That's incredible. Yeah. Did they really? That's they, the whole marching band. Came out. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, Cause for and, those listening, that is like a stock song for marching bands to play. Yeah. And it's like, it's when you like, if you're doing a movie about like 77 to 81, if you yeah. can license that song, it kind of goes in somewhere. Yeah. Um, like it's, it, it feels like it could be like a, it could be a Coen Brothers staple, right? In fact, I've heard it more at like football games than like, you know, on the radio. Yeah. And then uh, it was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Tusk was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, excellent. Do-do-do-do. I still haven't seen it. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is a great, great. fucking song. And <laughs> there's not like snare drums and bass drums yeah, yeah. like and horns. When they played Tusk at the Hollywood Bowl, I went to UCLA, so oh, I'm nice. like, you know, Bruins for life. Nice. But uh, so they didn't have the band come out, but they put the band up on the screen <laughs> and and the place went nuts, like just oh full God. of SC fans. What was weird about that whole concert was like... um I, there, there are songs that Earth, Wind, and Fire does that I had forgotten about. I just didn't realize. I was like, yeah. oh my God, that. Of course, Boogie Wonderland is a, yep. is a Earth, Wind, and Fire song. Yep. They were amazing. They were phenomenal. Like, I They're would have so seen great. an entire night of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anne and I, I am turning 45 next week. And turns for and turns. Yeah, thanks. I've uh, I've been I, I've I turned listen, forty eight this I've, year. I've done ever I've done everything in my power to make it not happen, and it, it just you, keeps happening. You can't stop. Um, uh, and then Anne will be forty eight uh, in August. Yeah, I hit that. Um, we were on the young side at oh, Dodger yeah. Stadium. I might. Yeah. Like, I mean, by like by a by a decade at least. I have. I cannot remember the last time I was around so many drunk boomers. It was the same when I saw Steely Dan two years ago. They played at the Hollywood Bowl, oddly enough, with Elvis Costello opening 
opening, which I was like, that's wow. weird. And when he played, it was still daylight. Yeah. People was, were still filing in. That was what it was like when we saw Earth, Wind & Fire on Sunday. And I was like, yeah. fucking get here on time for Earth, Wind & Fire. I saw Elvis Costello open for the police at the Hollywood Bowl oh my God. Uh, a number of years ago. And he played in the daytime and then brought Sting out to do vocals on... <laughs> like Allison or something like that. Yeah. And it was, and I was like, I don't want to hear Sting do Allison. I don't want to hear you do Allison. And he didn't play Lipstick Vogue, which really bummed uh, me out. That was my, actually my first time seeing Elvis Costello live. And I was so stoked. Yeah. And I was just like, why is everyone just talking and not paying? It was really, it was like an unknown opening act. Yeah, I right. was like, this is fucking crazy. That's Elvis Costello. Yeah. Even when he was playing his hits, like Allison and um, Peace, Love and Understanding. I was like, what the fuck is going on no yeah. one's paying attention and half the people aren't even here yeah oh it was frustrating but that whole concert was great and um yeah i was one of the youngest people everyone had gray hair and pot yeah. bellies and were white <laughs> oh man when we were watching we're watching earth wind and fire and i'm like a lot of white people trying to dance here like i mean it was i have no yeah <laughs> it's ridiculous there was i you you posted some of the <laughs> video on your stories on instagram yeah and there was one where there i think it was during earth wind and fire too there was one guy in shorts who was dan the whitest dude dancing and i couldn't even pay attention to anything else in your the, story. I, 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 was remember, like, I remember the guy you're talking about. I was um, like, Fuck that guy is drunk and white. And what I loved about that guy was he was unironically enthusiastic about being uh, there. Oh, that yeah. dude was so happy. Oh, yeah. By the time Fleetwood Mac went on, so we were like one row behind a walkway near the, uh, like on the left side of the stage on the field. Yeah. And, uh, there were just like, and people to go to the bar would have to walk past us. Yeah. And, um, uh, Ann and I both thought it was odd that's that like this, the seats on the field were expensive and we I thought, bet. and we thought it was odd that someone would spend the amount of money that you need to spend to be there and then spend the amount of money that it costs to buy drink, like cocktails yeah. at, at, at the thing. Yeah. And by the end of the show, some people were pretty plowed. And, I, and, I, and I just remember that's and, a long and, show. And, and like, and this sounds judgmental. It's not. I just thought <laughs> it is It's such like it is. That's just a choice I wouldn't make to see this kind of show who knows when these acts i mean journey will keep touring but who knows Fleet, every time you see Fleetwood mac it could be the last time you see Fleetwood mac right yeah i'm and, shocked they're and, still playing it all and and uh like it just seemed like a weird choice to me to yeah. like be like as fucked up as like a 20 year old as at when, like a fugazi show as you know? when these people were probably in their 20s seeing yeah. them for the first yeah. time like yeah so it's like be just like yeah 72. So I'm like, you know what you guys like do you go nuts that's fine have a good time but there were these three dudes in front of us and they were drinking the dodger stadium equivalent of those awful giant sangrias that they oh. fill people with at hollywood bowl yeah. like when i see someone who has one of those i'm like you're gonna be a problem before this concert is over like and have you're a gonna, shitty you're, day you're, tomorrow you're, you're gonna be a mess and yeah. you're gonna regret all of this yeah but these dudes like by the end of the show <laughs> a sing, it was like they were gatekeepers and if you wanted to pass their portion of the bridge you had to high five them <laughs> and they, but they were having oh so, my god but they, were all, they were all 
so happy. They were having so much fun. That's like, good. All of them. Um, it was nice. Like I didn't see anybody being belligerent, which was a nice change. And this, those shows started at like three o'clock, right? Yeah, we got there at like three because we just didn't know what the traffic was going to be like. Yeah. And, and oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. We got there at four. Earth, Wind, and Fire went on at either four forty-five or five. I can't remember. So we were there for like eight hours. Like we did a shift. And you were on the field. Stadium. You were like in the sun for a while, right? Yeah, but so we were in the sun for like close to an hour before it before got it goes but man but people who were sitting up in the stands like on the third base side they were in the sun for a really long time it was and it was hot as dicks yeah i was supposed to get, get tickets to go to the saturday show just seriously for steely dan alone i would have gone to steely dan and left i would have I would been have really, too, i would have been happy i would have paid full price to see Steely Dan and leave. I would have been great with that. I'm not an Eagles <laughs> fan either. And like Doobie Brothers, it's just like elevator music to yeah, me. I feel I'm like Steely like, Dan oh. does Doobie Brothers better than Doobie Brothers do. I mean, it's like basically from the same. Someone will be like, no, here's why you're wrong. And, and we'll break it down for me in a way. Like, yeah. I bet Josh Kagan can tell me why I'm yeah. wrong about this. Um, but like... Oh, okay. <laughs> I also just with the Doobie Brothers, for some reason, I just always picture that episode of What's Happening with rerun and the cassette bootlegging with a full <laughs> with size a full cassette, cassette player, player <laughs> in a trench coat dancing in the front in row. In the front row at like the high school gym sized concert. Him, yeah. And it falls out and they just stop playing and just stare at him. Yeah. And that's all I can think of now. That's one of those television memories from our generation <laughs> yeah. right like there's that there's hawkeye thinking he's killing the chicken oh yeah uh, shut that chicken, shut up. That chicken up and it's a um, woman choking uh, her baby uh, gordon jump with the bike at uh in different strokes yeah les nesman dropping the turkeys yep right i mean there are like there, there's 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 the that the list is probably bigger than i think it is are there moments like that in tv anymore Probably things like who like I, I imagine that like like there will be a generational thing will definitely be like remember how unsatisfying the season finale of Walking Dead was and we waited a year to find out who Negan or lost hit, and, or how terrible lost yeah. was or um, when but they have the red wedding remember the red the wedding? red wedding yeah. yeah. I've read the books, so I knew it was coming, and I did not and, see and, that and, and didn't see it coming either. Fuck. So I just watched her instead of watching the screen, and I mean, it was like I it was I, I, you've seen the reaction videos, yeah. Like, I mean, and I was she was like, "What just happened?" That's coming from <laughs> people who grew up being denied shit like that on TV. Like that yeah. never would have gotten past the network. Like, Oh, we're going to kill off a bunch of beloved characters yeah. in a really horrific graphic way. I think one of the reasons heroes fell apart after its second season is that we all expected the two main characters to have been killed, like in the great ultimate sacrifice yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah. And then they basically woke up like it was they they could have been uh. handed a towel by Patrick Duffy and it would have been <laughs> <laughs> that show started off so fucking strong and it would have been like as we would have been like, oh, that makes about as much sense. Yeah, I was so into that. Sh when that show started, I was like, yeah, that first season is one of the it's a great it's an amazing first season. It's and amazing. It guts me that that they kept making that. But vinyl didn't make it past one year. 
(laughs) Right? The title of this episode should be like two aging white guys talk about white guy television. (laughs) Steely Dan. (laughs) Okay, coming up next, coming up next, ruminations on the wire. (laughs) We've covered Apple IIe's, DOS, Atari 400s. <laughs> yep, WKRV. We're still not as white as the white guy in sandals dancing to Earth, Wind, and Fire, though. I mean, I guess there's that. We'll never. I don't. I don't. Oh my god. It really is. I've like. I always talk about how when you know when we were younger. Remember the show 30 something yeah i didn't watch it i mean I didn't I'm, either. I'm culturally aware of it but i but i didn't uh but i never watched it i didn't either hey, mrs wheaton's home hi uh, hi ann smells like hot dog water in here that's probably me <laughs> that is an odd greeting it smells like hot dog water <laughs> oh well thanks I think it's me it's probably not Will's wife just walked in and said, that was unexpected. it smells like hot dog water. <laughs> right. So 30 something I was culturally familiar with, but, but I never watched it. I never watched it either, but just seeing previews and, and my parents watched it and just catching clips here and there. And I was like, those people feel so old. I know. And I was like, you know, late teens, early twenties. I was like, they seem so old. Yeah. And now I'm just like people in their thirties. I'm like, God damn, they seem so young <laughs> yeah it's weird as i like i'm you know i'm going to be hitting the like the middle of my 40s mm-hmm. like right away and i ha- i struggle to reconcile the expectations that young me had for this yes. for 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 present me yeah. with the realities of present me yeah and then i also really struggle to reconcile that like i don't feel like an adult most of the time, which is yeah. weird. I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I think like, I think of my parents in their forties yeah, and they seemed like adults, Yep, but maybe they were just like faking it better than, than I faked. Yeah. But they probably felt more like we do at the same age, yeah, you know, which is just strange. It is a really weird feeling, but yeah, it's, also, it's a diff- much different world than when we were younger and our parents were this age. Yeah. Um, and also, I just, the older you get, like pe- people you know dying and like family, like my dad died a couple years ago and it's yeah. just like, oh God, it's going to happen to all, like, and and also just with your life experience, it's the, that timeline speeds up too, like... 10 years when you're in your thirties and forties is just like, boom, it's so quick. And you know, from 10 years old to 20 seemed like decades. I I think that the reason we experience it that way is because you can express it as a percentage of total life. Yeah. So like at this point, 10 years is a quarter of my life, not like half of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's probably a little different, but I remember being like 21, 22 and uh, my grandmother referring to me and my friends as the kids. And I remember fe- being like, just indignant. I'm like, we're not kids anymore. No. And then I see like somebody just being a cunt on Reddit. And I'm like, Oh, what are you? 26, 27. Like come back when you've had like one fucking day of life experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, I've become my grandmother. <laughs> 
Yeah, I totally notice now the similarities and like I don't understand a lot of the music now and yeah. it really is with music. I'm just like I I got somehow I got to a point where I stopped buying not totally but a lot of new music and I'm just like Ooh, Queens of the Stone Age has another like I I just got stuck in like the 90s you, you, you and like settle into what's familiar. Yeah. And people will play. I remember I did a podcast. This was a few years ago. Uh, Howard Kramer and Kulap Vilaysak have a, a podcast called Who Charted. Oh, right. Where they just talk about the weekly, you know, music or movie charts. And um, I was on their 300th episode. And so they did a, a, a year end you know, who charted. So it was everything from that year. Yeah. And they got to, you know, they did movies and they got to music, which I just didn't know any of this. They were counting down the top five songs from that year. And they go, number one, um, fuck Gangnam style. Do you know that I still haven't heard that? Thank you. I go, what's that? And they go, and this was in front of a live audience and everyone's like laughing. And I go, no, I don't know. I'm not doing a bit. I genuinely I go, don't, I don't know, know what, what that is. And they, they're like, well, you don't know the name. They're, they're like, we're going to play a clip and you'll know the song. They played a clip and I go, I've never heard this song in my life. I think that, I think it had its like moment of explosive virility when I was on one of the Colton cruises. So I was like, I was literally away, <laughs> away from the from world it. when it happened. And by the time I got back, I was, even though I hadn't heard it, I was so fed up with it. Yeah. <laughs> that I never, that I just never, that I never got it. I didn't know it. And they're like, they were I, blown away. I can imagine, I, I can imagine the, the 45 year olds of 1988 complaining about me listening to like, was not was and being like, who walks a dinosaur? What is that? Even that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Like, Hello dad. I'm in jail. Why are we even, uh, was why would was. you, why would you tell your dad you're in jail? Like, Give me the put on the Joe Satriani like please <laughs> play me some uh, the the yeah I mean back that's before Nugent the uh, became what he is right like, give me some uh, uh, give me put me some cat cat scratch fever or whatever right I don't even go to live music anymore unless it's like someone that I already know you know like, yeah. I would have gone to Steely Dan in a heartbeat you know if Queens we, uh, play I'll go see them but we went to Roger Waters at Staples I would last totally month totally go to that it was fucking amazing it was it was amazing it was my entire instagram feed i think half the people i know in la were at that show yeah that, that, and i was that's, so jealous michelle and whitey went the night before we did so i saw some of their pictures from it and i think <sighs> meredith salinger went too yeah. and like um it was cool to compare our experience on the second night to everyone else's experience on the first night yeah. to see kind of like what was the same and that stuff it was a it was a it was a really phenomenal show. It was, it was, um, and took me to see the wall when he did that here. Ooh, and, nice. and yeah, like if he does the wall again, I liked it so much. I was so just moved by it yeah. that if he does it again, I'll, I will travel to more than one city to see it in other places. Like I liked it that much. That's another band that I'm, it's, I have like a, a, bucket list of bands that I'm like, I got to see these guys before yeah. they die. I have never seen any incarnation of Pink Floyd or yeah. any of the people's solo stuff. And for a while I was like, 
I'm not going to go see Roger Waters, you know, by himself or right. David Gilmore by himself. I got to see them together. Yeah. And the likelihood is that's never going to happen. Maybe one will come out for a song, you know. I went with Shane Nickerson like 15 or 16 years ago to see Roger Waters at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. And we literally had the worst seats in the house. We were <laughs> we were all the way back on what used to be the lawn, as far away from the stage as you can be, yep. all the way uh, house left. Yeah. There was like, there was Shane, then me, then the steps, then the wall. Like we were as far away from, from it as we could possibly be. <laughs> it remains one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. And they did Dark Side of the Moon that night. So he, so he played tons of stuff. They did the whole album. Great. And then they played, they, they took a set break. Then they played the whole Dark Side of the Moon album, oh, which was really amazing. It was really phenomenal. But he had Nick album. Mason play drums. Nice. And Nick Mason was like in his seventies then. Yeah. And, and I remember when Roger introduced him, he was like, um, uh, it wasn't on the bill. It wasn't on the tickets. It was a complete surprise oh, to everybody who was there. And God. he was like, so, um, I just thought some of you would like to know that Nick Mason is here. And we were like, Nick Mason is in the house. We went bananas. And then he was like, and he's going to be playing drums on dark side of the moon. The whole album, the man. whole album. Yeah. It was phenomenal. If you get a chance, if there, there's a, there's, there's a, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that they're like, you know, if blah, blah is within yeah. like. Uh, a one hour flight. Yep. Like it's super worth it. I'm starting to do that more often. Also, I probably would have gone to that show had I known. That's the other thing is I never know when shows are happening until I'm looking at Instagram. Where right. I'm like, Roger Waters. How did I, I not? I actually subscribed to a couple of dumb newsletters so that I would know in advance. Or like bands in town. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I kick myself for not having ever seen Bowie. Me too. Ugh. I could have seen Nirvana back in the day and I didn't go. I did go. see Nirvana. I didn't go. I didn't want to. I was like, yeah, they're too popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 20. I yeah, saw them twice. The I worst. saw them New Year's Eve 1990 with, wow. with Pearl Jam and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. At the Cow Palace in San Francisco. And then I saw them in San Diego uh, for the In Utero Tour. Was that like 94? Bobcat Goldthwait opening <gasps> for them. Which was did he do? He did. What did stand he, up. He did, he did I've stand never up. in my life seen someone do stand up to open for a band. That's incredible, especially a band on the level of Nirvana. He yeah. did stand up, and it was it was like being what you know, being in ancient Rome, watching the gladiators throw someone in with lions. Yeah, and people like fuck yeah, like, and he's still like, and he was great. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he toured with them that whole album that's like, around the world. That's phenomenal. Kurt loved Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. And so he he's just, directed me a couple of times. I love him too. He's so awesome. And so, yeah, I saw them twice and, um, yeah, but the, the, there's people now that I'm like, they're going to die. I, like I went and saw Iggy pop, you know, at the yeah. Greek last year and I yeah. was like, I have to go see him. I'm a huge fan. I've never seen him or the Stooges. And, you know, he's basically was backed by Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. And um, it was awesome. It's kind of difficult to watch them limp a little. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's he's like late 60s, early 70s. Like, he's, yeah. he's well, an he old guy. And he didn't exactly take good care of his body in his youth. No. So it's kind of like... You like add that multiplier on top of. I never that. saw Prince. Did you see Prince? Never saw Prince. Even when he was doing like the, the a month of shows at the forum, like yeah. 
what was it eight or nine years ago? Yeah. I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go next weekend. It's like last year kind of like just took so many great artists from us that, um, that we were like, okay, we're just going to go now. We're going to go and see the things, you know, it used yeah. to be whenever somebody amazing would happen, I'd be like, come on, gods of death. Why can't you take Dick Cheney instead? <laughs> yeah. You know? And now I'm like, come on, gods of death, take Trump instead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not April these- and I were going to go see, um, misfits. So we had talked to, cause they did two shows. They did Chicago and Denver. Yeah. And they reunited like Jerry and Danzig <sighs> united to like do it again. And Chicago sold out right away. And, and I think it was Chicago and then Denver. I may have it backwards, but mm-hmm. we were like talking about how we were going to go. And then we were both kind of nervous. Like, what if, what if it's bad? Like, what if they can't, you know, what if they just fight the whole time? Like, what if it, what if it doesn't like, what <laughs> if it's a just possibility? Like, and that's the thing. It's like, but I don't want my, I don't want this enormous part of my youth and this enormous, this thing that I, that I, that I, that I love so much. I'm, I'm worried, you know, it's like, there are some shows from some cartoons from when I was a kid that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know if I, I, I don't want to risk the, I don't want to risk the, the memory of battle of the planets by watching it oh, now when it doesn't God, work. Right. I love so, battle of the planets. We, so the first, first misfit show happens and it's great. Like there's just, there's, you know, people you are, went to Chicago to see, no, no, we didn't. We didn't. We just, I just oh, saw videos. Yeah. So I texted a bunch of them to April and I was like, we're going yeah, to Denver. Okay. Like we're going, she was like, great. Look up some flights. I'll you you look for flights. I'll look for tickets. And the cheapest flight we could get to Denver was like $1,300 to fucking Denver. Why? I, <laughs> Surely not because of the misfits. certainly not because of the misfits. No, because uh, because God hates me. Um, and That's and uh, yeah. And then we were like, well, what if we could we drive? And we were like, no, we're too old for this shit. We're not going. And we didn't go. And then I tried to convince myself that they would break up between the two shows and I wouldn't miss anything. Why just those two cities? And I don't know. Ween was touring for a while too, and I don't think they played in LA, and that killed me. Right. I loved Ween. Um, I'm still, I think I'm still willing to drive far to see certain bands. I wish I had gone, I wish I had gotten tool tickets in me San too. Diego before it sold out. Me too. But I know they're working on a new record and I know that they will tour again. And I know that I will have an opportunity to go and, and, and do that. My, my friends just saw Perfect Circle. Um, oh, no way. Somewhere. Uh, and it was either Perfect Circle with the Melvins or it was, Ooh. yeah, it was Perfect Circle with the Melvins out in Glen Helen. <sighs> but Glen Helen is really like, you're really rolling the dice there. Like you could get an interesting crowd or you could get a bunch of white supremacists on meth. That's my like, home, uh, <laughs> hometown area. I'm so from the you, Inland Empire. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like that's, that's a, I wouldn't go to a, <laughs> yeah, my friend, they, yeah, Tool just played there. And my friend was like, you got to come. And I was like. No, they'll tour again. Yeah, right. (laughs) I, in fact, almost, you know, when I was first living in L.A., uh, my girlfriend had broken up with me and I was looking for a new place to live. And I was playing in a band, just this local small band. And one of the girls had in, in my band had dated one of the guys from Green Jello. Yeah. And he was roommates with Maynard from Tool. Wow. And she goes... That's a really odd pairing. Yeah. She goes, you know, they're looking for another roommate. And this was like 90, this was probably 96. Yeah. 
And I go, really? I was like, yeah. this, because they had like a big house. And uh, I was like, that could be cool. And I was in my 20s, so I, I didn't care about sharing a house with anyone. I was right. like, yeah. And I go, I go, are they cool? And she, and she told me, I think she said that Maynard had a pet turkey. That sounds right. That would actually was like an indoor out. Like it would just like walk around the house. Please tell me it was like trained to attack people. I would never found I out because really, I, I was really, like, I want, I want that turkey to have like cockfighting spurs on. Cockfighting. <laughs> <laughs> that was the deal breaker for me. I was like, that's that's weird, and that's probably the tip of the iceberg. It's probably <laughs> if, if that's what we know about, what I was are like, we there's not, what, probably what's weirder shit and like ritualistic shit. <laughs> And I go, I, I'm, I'm not Turkey is technically the head of household on all the leases. Yeah. I go, I don't want tour and green jello going on, on tour. And then I have to house sit a turkey and clean turkey shit off of a fucking Ottoman or something. Like, so it never happened. I never even met him, but. That sounds like one of those weird early FX sitcoms, like three yeah. musicians and a turkey living together. Three musicians and a turkey. It would have been a good reality show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I couldn't. I, I, I wanted to be that kind of musician. Like, yeah, I'm a rock musician and I live hang with out with and a people. turkey. I couldn't do it, man. I, I remember we used to record. We recorded at this rehearsal space in Hollywood called Cole Studios, which was on Cole between Santa Monica and Melrose. Really small, just hole in the wall. And because um, our singer, I, there were two girls in my band and one of them had dated the guy who owned the rehearsal studio, who I think also owned the Dragonfly uh, bar on Santa Monica. And so they would let us rehearse for free. And one time I showed up and um, I think it was Porno for Pyros. I don't know if it was Jane's. Dick. It was Porno for Pyros was rehearsing. And I got there early and Perry Farrell was just in the parking lot drunk with a full bottle. of. Well, it was not full anymore. He had a bottle of wine. It was just like slurring. And I was like, wow. Because wow. I, I was such a huge Jane's Addiction fan. Yeah, of course. I, I was like, oh, my God. So I met him there. And then Rage Against the Machine recorded their second album in coal, like in the studio right next to us. Uh, God, what was that album? It wasn't that was Battle, Battle for Los Angeles. Was it Battle wasn't for Los Angeles? Wasn't that their or second? Or Evil Empire? I don't remember. I don't remember. There what is the a person one. listening to this who is like, you fucking posers. Yeah. Like, I just don't. It's been a while, guys. I don't remember. But there's album artwork, photos on the inside of the album that are inside that studio. But um, that's awesome. I was stoked about I that. Saw Ra- I saw Ra- I saw the Lollapalooza. That was Rage, Tool, Alice in Chains. Me too. God, that was I almost that was died so at that concert. No shit. The one that was at the Santa Anita Dam? Is that yeah, but I was living in New York at the time. Yeah. And my girlfriend and I, we went to New York not knowing anything. We're like, hey, it'd be cool to go that's to New York. That's a good way to go to New York. Made no Spoiler plans. Spoiler alert, that's not a good way to go no to New York. No plans. There was no internet yet. So right. we just booked a flight. We didn't even make plans to live anywhere. And we flew. We'd never been there. We flew into JFK, got in a cab, said, take us to Manhattan. Right. And we go to Manhattan. We're Alphabet like, City. That sounds like a good place to live. We just find a fucking hotel in Midtown that was so expensive. This is like 91, maybe 92. Yeah. 
uh, it was 92 or 93. It was whenever David let our summer there was when David Letterman was having his last shows at NBC. Yeah. And so you're um, in like a hundred square foot room for $600 a night or something like that. Yeah. And we find, and this was pre-internet. So we'd wake up every morning going, we're going to run out of money. We got to find a place to live. We'd have to get a paper, look up, you know, oh, wow. the, in the classifieds and every place we would call, they'd be like, just rented it, just rent it. And so we had to take the first place we could find, which was like not even the size of your living room there. And it was $1,300 a month. The air conditioner was broken. It was yeah. one of the hottest summers in New York. And, um, but it was still, I had such a blast there, you know, and Lollapalooza and I'd been to the previous Lollapalooza. I was like, I'm never missing a Lollapalooza. Right. Cause I would see bands I would never watch to begin with. Yeah. And so they were coming to New York, but not ne anywhere near the city. They played in this place, I think called Stanhope. It was either Stanhope, New Jersey or Stanhope, New York. It was like, that sounds oddly familiar to me and I don't know why. Yeah. It was like an hour or two bus ride north of Manhattan out in the middle of fucking nowhere, really small. Yeah. It was Stanhope, really small town. And we just bought tickets, bought a bus ticket and just went and, um, oh my God, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. We, um, we're standing, um, probably about 50 yards from the stage, like right in the middle of the crowd. And the, the later that the day went on, it would just get more and more packed to the yeah, point right. where you couldn't even lift your arms and you just had to kind of move with yeah. the crowd. Yeah. And then Alice in Chains came out and started playing. And by the second time, I was sure we were going to get, you, you had no control. It was like an, being in, in a, an ocean with like yeah. riptides. You would just move. And, uh, which was kind of awesome, but really scary. And I, I told my girl, my girlfriend was kind of freaking out. I'm like, let's, let's go back a little ways. And so we went back to where the mixing tower is like right in the middle of the crowd and there's a gate around it. So we're like standing in front of the fence and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Cause there's no one behind us. And, uh, so we're standing against this chain link fence and I'm standing against one of the poles that's holding up the fence. And there's like exposed bolts coming out of the, the pole to keep the, the chain link on and like by like the fourth song the crowd is going crazy and people start panicking and trying to get away and the only place they can find to go is they see the the tower the yeah. mixing tower and so everyone is now pushing towards us and i cannot even move my arm my girlfriend is standing directly in front of me and the fence is just starting to fucking lay backward like i'm like falling backwards being crushed against this fence. I had two holes in my back from the bolts, like piercing my back. That's insane. And I was like, we're going to fucking die. Oh my God. I'm going to be fucking, I'm one of those people that's crushed at a concert. Yeah. And then no sooner was I thinking that, that then some guy is being pushed through the crowd by his friend. He looks barely conscious and his face is just solid blood. There's just, you can't even make out his face. There's just blood all over him. And so people see blood and they immediately right. are like, I don't want to get AIDS. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, they, and so, and this is when Alice in Chains decides that they're going to play a cover version of Gimme Shelter, right? Yes. <laughs> and so these guys are coming through and people are just stepping aside. And I told my girlfriend, I'm like, fucking follow them, get right. And they come right past us. Yeah. And we follow them to the very back. And I was like, we're just going to fucking stay back here for the rest of the show. And it was Primus like yeah. played that night. And yeah. Who else was it? Was it 
I smashing remember, pumpkins on that show? I don't think they were, but that doesn't mean that they weren't. It just, I remember Rage and I remember Zach spending too much time from the limited time they had in his set complaining about how the radio stations didn't play the end of killing in the name of when he says oh, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, you yeah. over and over again and i remember i was like 21 at the time and i well, remember i, I can re- kind of see why and, they and, don't do that. And, and i remember thinking like look dude i really respect like everything that you do but like <laughs> yeah. is this the hill you want to die on yeah like that was the same okay. that was the same tour where they all went out on stage naked right I don't remember that from this show, but they may have. It was like Fishbone was on this show. Too. Fishbone played on this tour, That's too. right, yeah. So they did, they, um, I don't know what town they were in, but they did, they came out the top of their set and just stood there buck naked with duct tape over their mouth. And they just stood there for one minute, two minutes, five minutes. Like, it went on for forever. And somebody... I think it's Greg Barrett tells this story because um, I think he met um, Tom Morello and Tom Morello told him this story. I could be mistaken, but like before they did it, they were all like backstage in the in their trailer or whatever. And they're like, we're going out there and we're all going to take off. We're going to take off our clothes and go out there and stand there silent. And they were all like, OK, OK. And and the bass player, <laughs> white guy's just like. I don't want to stand there. Like he didn't want to do it. And they're like, no, you got to do it. And he's like, well, then I'm going to like play with my dick. And they're like, no, no, you can't do that. And God, something happened. I think he started like jerking off his dick or playing with his dick. I could be wrong, but regardless, it was illegal. Like them being out there naked. And so security started to storm the stage. And so they all ran off stage and Tom Morello and Zach uh, both ran into the Fishbone bus, tour bus. <laughs> they're, and they're buck naked. And they're like, the cops are coming after us. And so the, the guys in Fishbone on the bus, in order to help them, all took off their clothes. So when the cops came on the bus, they couldn't tell which were the guys who were naked on stage. In my in my head canon, they come into the bus like that, and Fishbone's like, "Oh, this again, <laughs> not again." <laughs> or they come on the bus and they're already naked. And they're right? Like, hey, you finally <laughs> hey, came. It's all right. It's about time. Now it's a party. I thought that was amazing. The cops come out and they're like, "God, God damn it!" And they just <laughs> leave. Um, yeah, I remember that because I did see Fishbone. I loved Fishbone too. Fishbone was on that tour, and I remember Angelo Moore like crowd diving off of, like a huge stage, and like yeah. was just like for like a whole entire song was just yeah. floating on top of the. Uh, and I never did. I never, you know, crowd surfed, and I've always been the guy that wants to. But I'm like, I'm a big dude. You're and a big I, dude. You're gonna you're gonna hurt somebody. I'll break my neck because everyone's, yeah. everyone's gonna fucking get out of your way. Yeah, drop me. Yeah, I would never, when I was young and I would go to punk shows, I would never be like right in wherever, I would be like close to where everybody was really moshing in the center. But I was me always, too. I was, there were always like, th- like roughly three humans between me and that just because I was a little dude and like, and then I also had the presence of mind of like, I'm a professional actor and if I get punched in the face or something like that, yeah. I you can't, can't show work, up to work you know? with uh, stitches. Yeah, I saw my girlfriend and I in like, 
I guess it was 90, 1990, we went and saw two, two times we went and saw Metallica. Um, and one of them was at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. And it was the Black Album tour. <laughs> I saw that tour. I saw that tour four nights in a row at yeah. the Forum because I had tickets to everything at the Forum that year. How great was it, too? It was great. It was, it was, a was fucking really great good. Show. It was a really good show. It was show. when they had like the, it was kind of in the round and yeah. they had that pit of like fans who yeah. could win tickets to be in the middle. And we were standing really close to the stage and like, uh, they were maybe two songs in. And there's this like Hesher, like standing in front of me and my girlfriend and he's just head banging. Yeah. And all of a sudden my girlfriend turns to me and she's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. I go, what? She's like, that guy just fucking whipped his hair and got sweat into my eyes. And she was so paranoid of getting AIDS. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> or, or hepatitis. Or yeah. She's, right. She's yeah. like, yeah. She's like, or uh, hair, hair sweat disease. Yeah. She was so paranoid and neurotic. She's like, we have to go. I'm like, it's Metallica. And yeah. she's like, I don't care. We got it. And so we left and I was like, all right, I love you. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. Right, right, right. It's a long tour. And we yeah. did go see him again, I yeah. think in Sacramento. Um, but I was still kind of mad about that. It's like, it's just sweat. Um, I got to pee. Go for it. Go do that. Oh, uh, actually it's been an hour. Will is peeing right in front of me. He didn't go to the bathroom. And I didn't know that's how you guys operated in this house. Um, <laughs> does it still smell like hot dog water? I got so paranoid that it was me. I'm like, oh my God, I was working around the house a lot today. Well, no, just sweating. I'm, you know, sweat sometimes, sometimes my sweat, this is so gross, but my sweat will smell like burritos. <laughs> well, you are what you eat, so maybe that's what. That could be it. Um, that, I, but when you said it, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, it's, weird. it's a distinct smell. I would have been back sooner, but I stopped to wash my hands on account of that's the best way to prevent the spread of germs. That's good. Do you have a, a heart monitor tattoo? I do. That's on my left forearm. It is, uh, it's, it's Anne's heartbeat. It's her sinus rhythm from a physical a few years ago. It's the first tattoo I ever got. Um, I've been wanting to get tattoos for a really long time. Sinus rhythm? Yeah. So that's what it's called. There's like four different rhythms. Yeah, so it's from NZKG. But inner um, sinus. No, no, that's called, I don't, I don't, no, no, it's, it's actually, it's part of the heart. So like, you're, <laughs> no, in your, in your, uh, uh, I'll get the, the so I'm going to get the specifics of this wrong, but there are like four different rhythms when your heart beats because you got four chambers that yeah, open yeah, and close yeah. and all, and that, right. And then it goes in that different rhythm and there's a contraction and a release. And one of them, the rhythm that it's called, they call it the sinus rhythm. I don't know why, but it's the coolest looking of them. So and is that a normal rhythm? Is that a good, yep, healthy it's rhythm? normal and healthy. And what's so funny is that I got her, her heartbeat tattooed on me because I travel a lot yeah. and I, <clears throat> it's um, right along the vein too. I, I wanted to take a little bit of her with me when I went places. That's um, good. It's for like, as, 
as acerbic and salty as I am on the internet and, 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 and for like, as, as, as annoyed as I get with people a lot of the time. Um, one of the few things in the world that I am like super squishy about is how much I love her. Yeah. And, um, I just miss the fuck out of her when I'm, when I'm gone. And I thought I could have her heartbeat on me as this like reminder. That's a cool ass tattoo. Or like I could read, it could be this reminder. I'm left-handed. So it's on my left arm. So it's almost like she, I think about what, how is this going to affect my wife? And, and and would she, would she be, proud of this like yeah, yeah. Uh, am i am i being my best self when i do these things so that's why it's on my left forearm but then also when i sleep when i'm on the road i sleep with my hands on my chest so it's like i can lay oh, wow. my heart across my heart you do yeah so i sort of sleep like a like like a vampire um it's just <laughs> and I've, I've, done, I've done i've done it my whole life but um um yeah it's it's uh i um i love it and and um i want to get tattoos to represent our kids yeah i'm thinking about getting one that 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 is uh some kind of typewriter to to represent ryan because he's a writer um but nolan hasn't settled into exactly what he wants to do with his life so So, you just get a question mark yeah right so i'm just gonna so i'm just gonna get like uh uh yeah like a question mark college application or or yeah or like 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 you know like a big blank application or something i haven't haven't decided yet um but when i got this tattoo i didn't realize that i'm getting data that can be read by someone who is trained. So more than more often than not, um, I'm at a con somewhere and I'm like signing autographs or whatever. And someone who is an EMT or a cardiologist or a cardiac nurse will say, why do you have a sinus rhythm on your, on your Whoa. forearm? They can tell that's a yeah, sinus rhythm. And I'm, yeah. Well, cause they're trained to read them. Right. And, and, uh, and then, so this one lady was like, is that your heartbeat? And I was like, no, that's my wife's heartbeat. She was like, because that does not a healthy heartbeat for a man. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's good for a woman, but it's not, it's not strong enough or whatever. I don't remember what it was. I thought a sinus heartbeat that meant, like they put the EKG in your nose? Well, no, because I recently had a sinus infection and I went to an ENT. Yeah. And so she sprayed this like numbing spray up my nostrils. Yeah. And she's like, we're going to put a camera up your nose. I've done that. And I was like 48 and have never had that. And I yeah. was like, kind of, I was kind of like, cool. Yeah. Because there's a monitor and you can actually watch it too. And so she's like, all right, lay back. She puts the camera up my left nose into my sinuses and she's yep. like this looks totally normal yeah and she went into the side with the infection and it looked so much difference but she goes it's definitely an infection because you can see your heartbeat in the walls of the sun like you Whoa. could see the it's like you're in anatomy park in rick and morty <laughs> yes and i thought when you said sinus rhythm i was like been there dude i know exactly. <laughs> so i had this uh I had this major surgery because I had a chronic sinus infection for like no joke, 30 years. And I didn't know. Um, I thought that I need to talk to you about this. So I thought, Oh, you just can't breathe through your nose. That's normal. I didn't realize that, that, that it's not, it's not average for humans to not be able to breathe through our noses. Um, and what happened was I had all these polyps that had grown inside all of my sinus cavities. You've got the two that are like, Uh like on on the side of your nose and you've got the two that are up above your eyebrows, your forehead. So mine were filled to almost solid with polyps and stuff. And my septum was deviated. It's supposed to be straight up and down Mm -hmm. and it looked like a less than symbol. So, so I had this major surgery where the doctor went up into my nose and like 
basically carved out with lasers uh-huh. all all the, the uh like all the polyps and junk and then pulled them all out and then did a major septoplasty to fix my septum and make it straight up and down um and then cauterized it all and then i i had the recovery was like three weeks of like have i had it was like it was like a week of having all this packing and bullshit up inside my sinuses uh and then and then he Gave, he said some doctors will just pull it out and he said it's unbelievably painful so he has his patients go to like real mild like like three minutes of like twilight anesthesia and then like they pull it out and stuff um, <laughs> but the weirdest thing was like oh my God. two months or something after I had fully recovered from surgery and I was kind of like back to being normal again or my version of normal yeah um, I was out walking and I realized that, my, that, I, that I could smell things and that my that my like that I was breathing through my nose. Did you used to snore before you had the surgery? I snored worse than I do now. I don't snore as bad as I did because one, since I quit drinking, um, uh, the alcohol causes inflammation in your esophagus and in your sinuses. Yeah. Um, and also it relaxes your body in a way that makes your, like your windpipe and your jaw kind of like collapse backward. Yep. So that's not an issue in my life anymore. And then also I wear this night guard that holds my jaw forward. Oh wow. So that it prevents that airway from closing. Um, so I don't anymore. Um, I had hoped that by having the clear surgery, it, it would just clear it up completely. Um, but Anne said that it is significantly better than than it like ever was before I had that surgery. I think I need. I have a slightly deviated <clears throat> septum. It's not horrible, but I do snore. I get sin. I have had a sinus infection now. Yeah. For almost two months. Yeah. And a weird one because I don't feel sick. I don't have a fever. Right. But every now and then during the day, I'll get really intense pressure in my sinuses. Yeah. I used to get that all the time. I but just thought it was by normal. The end of the day, by the end of the day, the pressure's gone. I'm yeah. like, oh, must be allergies. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've done a Z pack a couple times and it hasn't done anything. So yeah. I'm like, maybe a surgery might have to happen. Yeah, it made I'm like I'm really glad that I did it. Yeah, um, it was it was a major surgery. Um, yeah, it was thankfully completely covered by health insurance yep. because of how bad it was. Yeah, um, but the recovery is a long time. And I had a friend who had it done today. Well, oh really? Yeah, he I saw him last night. And he's like, <clears throat> he was nervous. He's like, yeah, I'm going into. Uh, have my septum uh, fixed. I had to fill out my like advanced directive, which I'd never done before. So it was like, oh, this, I did this when I was like, I feel like I was, I don't think I was yet 40 when, when I did this. I feel like I was in my, so at some point in my thirties and I was like, I have to really make this decision. Like, and it's, there's basically two boxes. One box is like, do whatever you can to keep me alive. Even if my quality of life DNR, is terrible. Do not resuscitate. And, the, and the other one is just like, just fucking call it. Right. And I was like, Ooh. so I had this long talk with Anne about like, what, what should we do? And what, what I ended up telling them to, to put, make a DNR because I thought if, if our roles were reversed, 
like I wouldn't want the responsibility of like having to make these decisions for the most important person in my life. And if it doesn't work out, (laughs) I don't. And, and I'm, and I like end up all jacked up from the surgery or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to place that burden on her, you know? Yeah. And it would be real, it would be uncomfortable for her and her new cool husband to have me like in a hospital (laughs) bed somewhere. (laughs) Does Rick drive a Camaro? (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, and sadly, that shit, you don't want to think about it, but sometimes it fucking happens. Someone yeah. will go in and just get orthoscopic surgery on their knee, normal procedure, right. and then get a blood clot and die. Yeah. I had a friend in college whose dad had a heart attack and died just unexpectedly. Right. And her mom was really depressed and broken up, like just like rock bottom level depressed over yeah. it for weeks. And then she had to go have orthoscopic surgery on her knee, just normal surgery on her ACL. And, um, she had it. The surgery was a total success. And then she went home and like the first or second night, she gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, collapsed, dead, had a blood clot. Just wow. so my friend lost both of her parents in the span Jesus. of just like a month. Just the moral of the story is don't have knee surgery or or parents. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that actually, if you could get away with not having parents, <laughs> hatch, hatch yeah, if you just, can. Yeah, just decant yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, that shit happens. And this has been Steve AG. My <laughs> 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 podcasts have been so dark lately because of just breakups and like, <sighs> are you going to. Comic-Con, right? I'm not. I achieved escape velocity last year, and it has managed to not ensnare You didn't go last year either. I didn't. This might be my first year not going in like 10 years. I thought for sure they would have you go. Don't... Like, you're on so many shows that, like, are relevant to Comic-Con. I currently not, though. That's interesting. New Girl has never been a thing there. Um, right. Sarah Silverman show was, but that ended like seven years ago. And then um, Guardians. Well, I guess Guardians is already released. That was but last I mean, there's, year. But there's going to be a, I don't know. I would expect that they would want you to be there. I'm trying to get a house. So I'm just trying to book signings now. I'm, yeah. I didn't know they booked that stuff so far in advance. Yeah, they do. Um, so that's just starting to come in for next year. I didn't miss not being there last year. Uh, like I used, like I went to comic con when the entire thing was less than one half of what is now just vendor space. Yeah. And I loved it. That yeah. was great back in those days. And in yeah. those days I was going to like the comic book conventions at the ambassador hotel and at the shrine exposition yeah. center every and month. You had an elbow and, room. And- yeah. I mean, I loved it. I, I loved them. And just over the years, as I've gotten older and as they've gotten more crowded, a lot of what I loved about them has kind of like just it's it's not as prominent as it used to be mm-hmm. um and uh the things that I used to love about Comic-Con, I actually still get, but I get them from going to like WonderCon or yeah. Rose City or Phoenix or, or yeah. you know, a, just a different show. Yeah. Um, and um, I would rather just stay home. I can watch all the news come in across my desk. Yeah. Um, and like... I go every year and I'm like excited. And then I get there and I go out on the floor the first day and I'm like, why the fuck did I come down here? Yeah. Just parking and getting to the, yeah, to the convention center and then walking through. I'm just like, 
And then I go in the hotel for the rest of the time. It's really hard. Like I, I live with anxiety. I have generalized anxiety disorder and, and I manage it. And like my doctor prescribes me some meds and stuff. And every now and then I, you know, like take an Ativan or something like that. But, but in general, I can live with it and, and it doesn't really control me. The depression kicks my ass a lot, but the, but the anxiety is like not, it's not, it's not as bad as, as it, as it could be. Yeah. But at Comic Con, it's so bad. Wow. That like, I feel, I feel afraid a lot of yeah. the time. The last like three years, I'm just afraid. Like I'm, I'm like my fight or flight is, yeah. is on, I get is that. like set to maximum and I'm nervous and I'm overwhelmed yeah. and I get bitchy because <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just, I'm like, I'm run, I'm yeah. like, I'm like stretched thin and rubbed raw by so much. And like, I know that there's going to be people there that, uh, that, care about the work that I do. And they're going to be like, Hey, I like your work. And I don't want to be anxiety attack me. Right. I want to be like, I want to be, I want to be the best me who's like, who, who genuinely loves that and is so grateful for it instead of "Ah, get out of my way. I'm having a fucking panic attack. Like, I don't like, so it's just, it's just better for everybody involved. If I don't go, that's why I don't do the road doing stand up. I'm like, I, I have horrible anxiety, um, I've had vertigo for most of my life and it's never prevented me from working, but the thought of it maybe preventing me from working gives me horrible panic attacks. That makes sense. So I don't want to be in a foreign city that I've never been to before for four days doing stand up and wake up one morning and have vertigo and just being alone and like, right. There's no one to come help me. I'm just in a hotel now for a day with vertigo. I got like either food poisoning or the flu or something when I was away for a con once. And there's not a lot, there's not a lot in a performer's life. That's as bad as waking up in a hotel room in the middle of the night with, with a alone with a fever and like, and, and like, uh, it's the, it's the worst. It's the worst. And it's the worst part also about being single is like, I, I'm fine being single. I like being single and being free to be like, oh, there's a show tonight or a concert yeah, right. and I can go and not have to worry. But when I get sick and I'm laying in bed going, I want somebody's lap to crawl into. I want someone to rub my forehead. Oh, uh, I know. It's the fucking worst. Um, it's so funny. Anne and I could not be more different when it comes to being sick. When I'm sick, I'm like, eh, take care of me. And when she's sick, get away. she's just like, get the fuck away from me. I can handle this. <laughs> you know. So she's sick and I'm like, do you need me to cut it? And she's like, I need you to fuck yourself. <laughs> That's how my ex- I need you to get the fuck out of here. That's how my most recent ex was like. <laughs> I was, I would be like very, I'm very needy when I'm sick, but like, uh, one of the last times I, you know, we had a long distance relationship and one of the last times I was at her place, she had like some kind of like, uh, anxiety type heart, like racing, like, Oh, I know that from hard to breathe. Like, you know, like I get that when I get anxiety too, but like for whatever reason, I don't know what caused it, but she was like, she's like, I got to go. I'm going to bed. I have to lay down. She's like, my, my chest is heavy. And, uh, so then I went to bed too. And like, I couldn't sleep because I was worried about her dying. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's how that's where I go in my brain. So like I wouldn't sleep because I wanted to make sure she kept breathing. Right. And there was even one point in the middle. This is so fucking embarrassing. Like I, I was like kind of going in and out and I, I like woke up and I rolled over and she was so still and quiet. I was like, fuck, is she breathing? And I, I like <laughs> took my flashlight on my phone to shine it at her chest to see if I could see it moving up and down. I had yeah. to like, and she fucking woke up from the light and was like, what are you doing? And I go, I'm so glad that's how that I, I wanted her to wake up and be mad at you. I go, I'm looking, <laughs> I go, Oh, I'm looking for the phone charger or something like that. <laughs> and she's I, like, I, I left, I lost a ruler. <laughs> she's like, no, you're not. She goes, I'm fine. Like, she's like, I'm fine. <laughs> But, you know, my dad had died the year before, so I'm sure. like super, it's like Ben you're, Stiller in Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. He's just like. Your reaction is completely rational. Like, it, it's, it, that is completely rational in those circumstances. And I, like, hadn't had a girlfriend in so long. I was like, oh, my God, I, I, I don't want to lose this one. I got <laughs> to keep her alive. I got to keep her alive. Such a fucking, I'm such a woman. I'm such an old lady. So embarrassing. So embarrassing that she caught me <laughs> looking at her chest to see if she was breathing. Like it was almost to the point where I, I almost put my hand right. in front of her face yeah. to yeah. feel. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I, I have problems. I, like, I, I, I need to see my shrink again. <laughs> All right. Well, we've done an hour 20, man. That's a long time. That's for a people good, that's to listen perfect. To talk about that's, stuff. Uh, that's my perfect, uh, Perfect length for me, I think. Great. I'm usually nervous um, with people sometimes that I don't hang out with all the time. I'm like, I hope I can talk for an hour, at least an hour. And We did it. Yeah, I'll check. Sometimes I'll, I'll have people on where I had Bruce McCullough on from Kids in the Hall. Yeah. Who I'm such a fan of. Right. And I know we've done shows together, so I know him from green rooms, but we've never yeah. really hung out. And it was like, I was trying not to be Chris Farley and like, oh, remember man. that one sketch? Remember when you were in Kids in the Hall? Fuck, dude. And so. Remember like, when you wanted that guy to let him paint your chair? And that's all I wanted to talk about. Yeah. It was the same. I, I had Weird Al on and like, you can hear it in my voice. If you listen to that podcast in the first five minutes, you, you can, you can hear m my voice shaking. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear that trembling. Yeah. And I was like so embarrassed, but um, I don't know how Hardwick does it. I don't like, either. The people that he interviews, the only time I have ever heard him even get close to Chris Farley territory uh -huh. was when he interviewed William Katz from Greatest American Hero. No. Because that's Chris's favorite thing of all time. I love and that show. It's his favorite thing ever. And yeah. he, <laughs> and it breaks my heart because he kind of like, he like owns up to like how much he loves it. Yeah. And William Katz is kind of like, eh. uh, that was a dumb show. Yeah. And you can just like, I mean, and I've known Chris since we were 17 and I yeah. just, and I can just see him just deflate, you know, uh, I was on an episode of singled out. Get the fuck out of here. I was probably 19 years old. Were you a, were you a picker or no, a picky? No, I was in the big you were, you, group. You were of, in the herd? It was a girl who was doing the choosing and yeah. I was in the herd and I was like, I think ejected in like the first or second round. 
I would love to find footage and find myself in that crowd. Yeah. Um, you know, I yeah. found footage of me from commercials from the seventies. No way. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that stuff on YouTube now. And the way yeah. that you find it is by watching old movies of the week that people just recorded off VHS. Yeah. I was watching. It's some like 1981 ABC Sunday night movie of like, you know, disaster on a jet airliner or something yeah. like that, you know, featuring everyone who like the feature featuring the 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 career twilights of, you know, yeah, whoever. Yeah. And um, uh, it has all the commercials. And I love that because it reminds me of being a little kid. So I, I started and I watch it. The first commercial break, the very first commercial is a Sugar Smacks commercial with Seth Green. Oh, I've seen that commercial. Yeah. So I texted him and I was like, did I just see you in a Sugar Smacks commercial? And he's like, and he, why are you seeing a Sugar Smacks? So, so he texts me back and he was like, yeah, why? And so I told him why. And I said, do you remember anything about it? And he goes, ah, Diggum was so fucking impossible to work with. <laughs> Diggum. <laughs> it's he, like they're like bowling or something. And he's, he's, like, also, and he's like, and Diggum cheats at bowling. That's also the cha-ching guy. Yes. He was the first person to say cha-ching on camera. Really? Yeah. That came from, was it Wendy or whatever commercial that he did that was the beginning of the campaign for cha-ching so he that's was, amazing seth was the first person to say other than whoever was pitching that thing at a you know a, yeah. a meeting at their sterling draper yeah going <laughs> i got an idea Ch -ch seth <laughs> is the first person to fucking say cha-ching that's amazing yeah well good for him yeah good for us yeah it's unfortunate nothing else worked out for him, but good. For um, <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Um, not going to be at Comic. -Con. This will uh, come out after Comic -Con. Comic Con. You know what? I wrote a I wrote a short story that I'm real proud of. Um, that I would love for people to read. It's called Dead Trees Give No Shelter. Nice. It's a supernatural horror story about a guy who goes back to the town he grew up in to like uncover the truth about his brother's murder. Cool. Um, and I really, I, I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's gotten really good reviews. Where can they find it? It's in the Kindle store. It's okay. at willwheatonbooks.com. And, uh, there's an audio version of it that I, that I like hired a producer and a director and all that stuff. And, and that's you read it. the audio and I did the audio. Yeah. How was, it, have you done it, that uh, before? I've done tons of audiobooks. Yeah. Um, How was that? I love it. I oh, really, really, I, I really I think love I would it. Get I would be bad at it. I get tongue tied. I get mush mouth. I really love it. It lets me do the two things that I love the most, which is to read. I absolutely love reading and I really love voiceover performing. So I like it, it just, it puts too. those two things together. Um, and then today it was just announced. Hasbro finally announced that I am in the new Transformers series. Fuck dude. Yeah. Who are you, are you allowed I'm, to say who you yeah, are? Yeah. I'm Perceptor. <laughs> so I'm an Autobot who tra who is, I'm a scientist Autobot who transforms into a, uh, a microscope. Oh my God. I'm so yeah. jealous. It was really freaking great. So I'm, uh, it's the, it's machinima releases. Yeah. This. So this is in the new, new machinima series. And I just can't recall the title of what this particular series is, but it's the second installment in a trilogy. And, um, uh, this is a dumb thing that feels like I feel like I shouldn't care about this and it feels petty to care about this. But the reality is I care about this yeah. in daily variety. They put me in the headline. 
Nice. And it just feels like I am at a moment in my career where I feel like a failure a lot of the time. Me too. I'm, and I'm at that moment where I just feel like, why won't anybody hire me? Why can't I, like, why don't I have more auditions? Like, I don't understand. It's and, a good and, feeling and when he, you make that. No, nobody can tell me why. And I've asked and I'm like, I've asked, I'm like, just be honest with me. Like, yeah. it, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And the consistent answer is nothing. It's not, there's, it doesn't make any sense. I deal with that too. I, a couple years ago, sold a pilot to FX based on my life in military school. Like when yeah. I went to the school where they filmed taps, I went to school. Oh, wow. Like two years after taps was made, I went to that school, which is also the basis for Pensy Prep and Chap, uh, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. Um, and I had all these great stories. And so, uh, uh, my friend Rob Schraub, who was a, a writer and director on the Sarah Silverman show. Yeah. We wrote, I know Rob from something else, but I don't know what, uh, heat vision and Jack. Um, he co-wrote with Dan Harmon. That might mm, um, remember a lot of Rob works constantly. Yeah. Um, and so we went to Jack Black and pitched it. Um, and he wanted to produce it. He was like, yes. He's like, I love this. He's like, I'll produce it. Let's go pitch it. So we pitched it. We sold it to FX and then the announcements came out and it was just every announcement was Jack Black sells military school, uh, comedy. And I'm like, it's my story. I go, that's my life. Yeah. (laughs) But honestly, we probably wouldn't have sold it without Jack in the room because we pitched. Did they do a pilot for you yet? We just wrote the pilot and then they backed out. Um, God damn it. But we pitched it everywhere. Jack only came to two of the pitches. Yeah. Everywhere we pitched without Jack passed. Really? Both the places we went with Jack, they were like in the room. They're like, we want to buy it. They just look at him with big puppy dog eyes. Yeah, the right. whole time we're pitching, they're staring at him right. going, he's in they're the not room even, with They're us. not even listening to you. They're looking at him and they're playing Tenacious D songs in their head. For real, dude. I'm not even joking. <laughs> right. I, you know, he would And then walk- the people who are slightly older, slightly older than, than us are like, uh, they're just replaying scenes from High Fidelity. Right. Oh while they watch him. <laughs> dude, we would walk into the room and before we would pitch, Jack would always be like, let me talk first. And we're like, all right. And he'd stand up and he'd go, I've known Rob and Steve for almost 20 years. These guys are so funny. This is a, sh- this has to be made. And I'm watching these people and they are staring at him like little girls watching the Beatles. They're just like, yeah. oh, he's in the room with us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we would finish the pitch and they'd be like, we want to buy it. Wow. Anywhere we went without him, they're like, Eh, we don't know. I have a friend who I shouldn't identify because, well, you'll understand why in a second, um, who went to a major network to pitch a thing that he worked really hard on. And the executive he was pitching was like, that sounds pretty cool. Do you you have anything like what else? What do you do? You have anything else? And he was like, he pitches like it's either two or three kind of like half baked things that he just kind of... And they buy both of them in the room. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> and they buy, they buy both of them in the room. And the thing that he went to pitch, they don't, they don't do. He ends up show running both of them. This like, Greg come Daniels. on. <laughs> I, like, okay, I guess we keep trying. The military school show that we pitched came as a result of Rob had a meeting with Jack Black to pitch him some other stuff. Yeah. And Jack was like, that's kind of cool. What else do you have? That's kind of cool. 
And then at the end of the meeting, he's like, do you have anything else? And, and Rob was just like, uh, he goes, well, AG's got this story about when he went to military school in the eighties and Jack goes, that's it. That's great. And so then I went in and met with both of them and that happens a lot. I think it's always the, what else do you have? It's almost like you should wait with what you really want to pitch and have that be the, there's there's this thing. There's a story that that John Chris Falusi wanted to do Jimmy, the idiot boy or he, or George liquor or something like that. (laughs) And he, and he took Ren and Stimpy to Nickelodeon. I don't know if the story is true. So this is just, this is just what I've heard over the years. The story that I have heard is that he took Ren and Stimpy to Nickelodeon because he was like, I don't care about this. And then it blew up. And, uh, wow. and, and it became so successful that he couldn't do the other things Yeah, because he could only, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a good problem to have, I guess. That is a really uh, good problem to have. That's but I'm at, so, so it's, so it's interesting is that I'm, I'm at a, at a point in my, in my life and my career where I'm starting to feel like maybe it's, maybe I need to just accept that, like where I've landed is in voice acting, which I love. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't work as much as I want to, but I don't think I would ever work as much as I want to in anything. Cause that's my personality, but also like yeah. maybe, maybe like I've, I inadvertently carved out this space for myself with like gaming and stuff. And people really like that. Yeah. And like, I don't know, maybe I do all of that stuff and it's the patron for the books that I write. Yeah. Right. And, and like, like that. Are you playing anything right now? We finished up Pandemic Legacy, which I loved. It yeah. was really, really good. I'm super excited for the second season of it. Um, then uh, we just had a game day a few days ago. Like last weekend, I guess, we played Splendor, uh-huh. uh, which I like. And then we played Waterdeep with the Scoundrels of Skullport expansion, which I haven't done in forever. Wow. And I really liked yeah. that. I really liked that a lot. Um, my game group was sort of Delta total party kill because, uh, uh, one of my friends, the last two surviving members of the game group, one moved to Vancouver and one moved to Phoenix. Mm, so, yeah. so like, like we, we still get together, but it's every few months instead of like, like once a month or yeah. you know, every other week or whatever. Um, so I haven't played as many tabletop games as, uh, as, as I want to, I replayed, I, I just, just finished the story mode in grand theft auto five. Oh I've been, I've been replaying that for about a month. I've been I spending my game. evenings like doing that after Anne goes to bed, I go out to the game room and play that for a couple of hours. I the last video game I played was destiny. Um, it just, it just ruined me. And then and I got to a point where you're doing the same thing every day. Yeah. Just well, you, you, it sort of becomes grinding. like, you're kind of like grinding raids. Um, and so I, I, I stopped and I haven't picked up a video game in a year but Destiny 2 is coming out in a few right. months, and I'm like, maybe I'll get Destiny 2. Right. And my friend called me over the weekend. He's like, what are you doing Monday night? This was just last night. And I go, oh, I got plans. Why? He's like, we're going to have like an old-fashioned land get party. Out, like a Quake 2 arena land Halo, party? Like, oh, my God. They're going to hook a bunch of TVs oh up, and my everyone's going to be in the same house. Uh, I there like, is nothing like that. I go, I haven't done that. Oh, my God. God, I miss that yeah. so much. Yeah. Just carrying your goddamn TV to your yep. friend's house with a with a network cable. Yeah. <laughs> just turn your TV around. Yeah. I, that's, I used to play, I used to do that with um, uh, Day of Defeat mod. Ugh. Like, just schlep a big old 486. Yeah. 
and like the yep. temperature in that room would be, you know, so 70 hot. degrees hotter than every hot other dog place. water. It would smell like hot Total hot dog water. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, Xbox Live kind of killed that. Yeah. And I'm going to kill this. <laughs> um, so people can find you on Twitter and Instagram. Is yeah, Will I'm, I'm, I'm It's Will Wheaton on Instagram One and L. Facebook. On Twitter, I'm at Will W. Um, okay. I'm, I'm at willwheaton.tumblr.com. And then my blog is at willwheaton.net. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for doing this, dude. Yeah, thanks. And uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Don't look for Will at, uh, this is coming out after Comic-Con, so I guess that doesn't matter. Go back in time and look for me at Comic-Con. If you were there. Maybe you'll be in a reality where I went. <laughs> yeah, go back uh, and two then years. Come, and then come and let me know how it was. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today